This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. So this is our last part of this series, Into the Neighborhood. Jesus became flesh and blood and dwelt among us. Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood, the message paraphrase says. And we've looked at all different ways that Jesus has ministered to people. And last week, Scott took us to the, the boundaries that we tend to set up, but that Jesus crossed to reach people. And today, it, it's a real simple message but it is the miracle. It's the only miracle of Jesus that we're going to look at uh, in, this, in, in all of Scripture. It's the only miracle that's repeated in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so as we look at the feeding of the 5,000, it's about Jesus and a little boy's lunch. And I just, just to be clear right off the bat, God wants to use you to bless others. He wants to use you to bless others, and God blesses you when you bless others. And, and so a question always pops up when we think about God using us. God, how is God going to use us? And we'll ask the question, how will God use me? How does he want to use me? That's why we've done this series. How in your neighborhood is God using you? How is he among your neighbors and with what he's called you to do? What are you doing with this series? How are you living this out? But there's, to me, a more important question, and this message today is, is about God doing a lot with a little. And there's a more important question to ask than how will God use me, and it's what will I do with what I have? What will I do with what I've been given how will I use that? It's, it's a far more important question, but how many of us are good at excuses? We come up with more excuses, and I, I have plenty of excuses of why I'm not going to talk to that guy over there and why I'm going to keep driving. I could stop and say hi to that neighbor, but I'm just going to keep going. We have excuse after excuse after excuse. And, and I, I think a lot of times when it comes to making a difference for the kingdom and God using us, in the kingdom and God using us to bless other people, probably the number one thing we'll hear is this excuse right here. I don't have much to offer. Today's story is for you. Today's, today's, today's miracle is for you. It is for, for all of us who think what I have to give, it ain't much. What can God do with this? Well, let's look today at what God's going to do with five little loaves and two small fish right? The lunch that he picks and the one he picks it from. I also can offer this excuse. Others have more to offer. But before you make this excuse, please keep in mind, just because someone else may have more to offer doesn't mean they will. I, I, I read more uh, scholars and pastors this week about the story of the little boy's lunch. You, you don't think that out of thousands and thousands of people, this little boy was the only one that had food. There were plenty of others. Rick Warren, I love how he said it. He goes, it's, uh, there were some rich people there with some pretty nice picnic baskets hiding them, right? That I'm sure were like, hey, this is going to be enough to feed my family. Uh, I don't think I'm going to have to, I don't want to let people around me know that I got this food. Jesus picks a little boy and a little boy's lunch. I hear this too. It's not my time yet. I'm too young. Well, let no one despise your youth. Right? That's what I love, the, the story that we get today, this miracle repeated four times in the Gospels, is of a young boy 
that has no name. We don't even get his name. But God uses this young boy. You're not too young. Bring what you have. And if it's a lot of inexperience, bring that to God. But I don't, I don't really have the education. Bring that to God. I don't have the degrees. Bring that to God. He can do a lot with a little. And for the 830 service, I'm too old. <laughs> We're not even going to include this point in the next two services. Now, let's be real honest, 830. Come on. Come on. Some of you make the excuse, I, I offered a lot already. I've given a lot already. I've heard these words come out of the mouths of my senior adult friends, right? It's someone else's turn. Really? Where, show me in scripture where, where it's someone else's turn. Sure, it's someone else's turn, but it's still your turn. You still have much to offer. And I actually would argue this service has so much to offer the kingdom. You have so much experience. You have a lot to offer. What can God do with all of your life experience and all of the journeys you've been on and the faith that you have lived out? Now, here's where, it really, here's where the rubber really meets the road. We're still on these excuses. It won't make a difference what I bring. You don't know that. You don't know about something you do today or someone you talk to today or a conversation that you're going to have later this week. You're like, well, that was nice. But then years later, you hear about the impact of that conversation or, or how it was a turning point in someone's life, the thing that you said or did for them years and years ago. And we're going to see that you bring what you have. Let God make the difference. You, you let him multiply what you bring. And some of you have given up because, and this is the last one, we could do a whole message on excuses, but we won't. It hasn't made a difference in the past. And I'll say it again. You don't know that. You just don't know how God is using you after you walk away from interacting with a neighbor or having a conversation. So let's jump into this. We're going to be in John chapter 6. John 6, we're going to look at 15 verses. We're going to look at this whole story and the whole miracle. And, and you know, sometimes we really focus on the 5,000, but, but today we see this little boy bringing what he has. It's not much, but not only does Jesus feed the 5,000, people get to go home with doggy bags because there's a lot left. Jesus multiplies this little bit that the boy brings. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And I, I always love reading this in scripture because you constantly, constantly see Jesus trying to get away from people. So, uh, and that's not a bad thing. People, people like, no, he loved people. He had compassion on the crowds. He did, but he was often wanting to retreat with his disciples. He was often wanting to get alone with his heavenly father. So when you see me dodging you at Walmart, I get that from the scripture, okay? <laughs> and a great crowd of people followed him. Why? Scripture says, because they saw the miracles already. They couldn't get enough of this. They, they, I mean, so now the crowd, thousands and thousands and thousands of people following Jesus because they were, they were some intrigued by his ministry, Others wanting the benefits of his ministry. Some are just watching. They're just people watchers. But they're following him and it's a large crowd. 
he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish, Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now, do you think Jesus saw this as an unsolvable problem? No. When you read it in other gospels, it was late in the day, and it was time now for people to be getting hungry. And I think one of the best lessons we get from this story is Jesus always has a solution for your problem before you even know you have a problem. And so he asked the question, and like, raise your hand in here if you're a teacher. Let me just see the hands of all the teachers, retired or current. Yeah, you love asking questions that you know the answer to already. And then when someone, <laughs> the answer's wrong, what do you say? Jesus is going to do it with the disciples. That's a good answer, not quite the answer we're looking for. <laughs> you see this all the time with the way Jesus taught, and I love it. But where, where are we going to buy bread for these people to eat? Right? I just want to remind you, because it's been done before, he could drop manna from heaven. He doesn't need a McDavid's. He doesn't need uh, a strip mall. He doesn't need... He's asking the disciples why. Because in, in every miracle, there's a lesson to be learned. There's a lesson for all of us to learn. And Jesus, remember, he's with his disciples. He's still teaching. Because he's only going to be a few years with them. And he's wanting them to get this and understand how the kingdom works. Because the kingdom works opposite of our human thinking and he's going to show them how he can take a little and make a lot he asked this only to test him jesus wasn't looking for an answer because he already had a solution he already had a solution to what to the disciples looked like an unsolvable problem there is no way we can feed thousands and thousands of people out here in the middle of nowhere but he already had in mind what he was going to do Jesus has a solution for the problem that you don't even know you have yet. So please, let's start with this idea of God using you. Jesus has plans for how he is going to use you. He does. You need to rest in that today. And instead of asking the question, how, what are his plans? Because we get so caught up with this. What is God's plan for my life? Uh, what is his will for my life? Today we're going to see it. Don't get so focused on that question that you forget about what you already have to bring. Think about what you have to bring. Make the most of the moment you're in. Give what you have. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Not works that we come up with or try to figure out or find, but which God has prepared in advance for us to do. This is what I love about parenting. Mom and dad, please understand, your job as a parent is not to force your way upon your child or to turn your child to you as the source of life. They're not your source of life and you're not their source of life. You, mom and dad, I'd love this as a dad, getting to walk alongside my children to figure out to experience with them, what has God prepared in advance for you to do? What is in your hand? What is your giftedness and personality and the, the resources and the energy that you have? How can you use that right now to serve God? To be used by God to bless others. So, Jesus is going to ask this question, and he's going to get some answers. And I love the answers. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Stop right there, because this is what most of us do before we give. 
And by the way, this church, you know, we're 20 years in as a church. We're in our 20th year as a church. I'm looking forward. I've, I've had so much fun the last 20 years watching how God's used this little church in this little town called Branson to bless this community and to bless outside of this community. God's been using this little church. I, I keep saying because that's what Joe White always calls it. How's our little church doing over there uh, in the castle? The little church is doing good. I like that because that remind, this little church can do great things. And, but sometimes, and we're, we may enter into a season. I think we may be coming upon it. I don't know what God's plan is ultimately for this church, but let's not get caught up in the economics to where we're like, I don't know if we do that, it'll cost too much. This church has never had that mentality. We've never allowed the bottom line to determine the ministry that we do. I love in 20 years, we've never taken out a loan. We have no debt. I'm trying to think of a need that was presented to this church over the last 20 years that we said no to because we didn't have the resources. We understand as a church, God is into not addition, multiplication. And we bring the little that we have. I can't understand how it always works, but tithing has always been a priority for me. And from the time I was very young and taught how to do this by my dad, you tithe and, and you just watch things being taken care of. And some of you are like, I'm tithe, but I'm still in a lot of debt. I need a miracle. You don't need a miracle. You need a budget. <laughs> right? That's, so some, don't get confused here. There's some things that are unsolvable. But if you're living in something that you think is unsolvable right now and it's really solvable, just solve it. And stop waiting on God. Do your part. But for some... You don't bring what you have. You don't bring your time. You don't bring your energy. You don't bring your resources. You don't bring your giftedness to the family of God here. You don't bring your tithe. You don't bring your offering because you're caught up in what Philip's caught up. Do you have any idea how much this will cost if I do this? We're about to see. It hasn't even entered yet, but we're about to see a little boy who gave everything that was in his hands. I want you to really see this next part. Because this little boy takes everything in his hands and places it in the hands of Jesus. And that's a bigger deal. And more things are going to happen in the hands of Jesus than in my hands. So whatever I have, I bring it. Another of his disciples, while the others are doing economics, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy. And again, I remind you, during this time, childhood was an insignificant period of life. Remember, the disciples were often, you know, and, and Jesus rebuked them, but they would keep the children from coming to Jesus. Don't waste his time. But now it's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. I just love everything. It can't be more little than this passage. The loaves are little. The fish are little. It's a little boy. But how far will they go among, so still the questions, what good will this do among so many? And Jesus said, and here comes the miracle. Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. I, I love the details that John puts in this. About 5,000 men were there, so we know if the children and the women weren't counted. This is just a lot of people. This is what we call a multitude. It's a lot of people. Five small barley loaves and two small fish. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. 
as much as they wanted. Have you ever been to someone's house for dinner and, you know, there's like 10 of you sitting around the table and they bring eight chicken breasts out to the table (laughs) and say something like, help yourself. You're like, okay, who are we splitting with here? Because I don't know about y'all. I can do a whole one. Can anybody else do a whole one? You two pipsqueaks down there, you're splitting one of these. But right, that's... Jesus gave thanks. Those who were seated, I... You have to step into this scene for just a moment and think of, I just think chaos. I think absolute chaos of like, man, how is this being organized? You only have so many, you know, a few disciples, Jesus, people, how's it going? And Jesus was distributing it to them. They were needed. He did the same with the fish. When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And I don't, the scripture doesn't tell us this, but I'm I'm assuming there were a lot of people just going, what had happened? They'd seen him heal the sick. And now he just fed Silver Dollar City. (laughs) All of those in attendance for a day with five loaves and two fish. I think, I think the, the lesson for us, they, we just, there's so many lessons in here. We just never know for sure how Jesus will use us. And I'll say you'll never know if you don't bring him what you have. You'll never know. And, and, and we're just, we're always questioning with the, and, and giving those excuses of why we don't bring what we already have. Talk about, we're into the neighborhood conversations. What about just the, the little details of our stories? that we take time and share with someone. Have you ever done this? I I bet you everyone in here has a story like this, especially if you've lived a few years. You you had coffee with someone, you had dinner or breakfast with someone, you shared your story, you talked a little bit, and it was just just a normal meal, normal get-together. Years later, like years later, they come to you and say, do you remember the time you told me? They share something you said, and they say, that was a turning point in my life. I've heard from people in this church about you. I don't know if you know this, but there are people in this church who who have struggled over the last few years with suicidal thoughts. I, I don't know if you know this. Just the way you engage them on a Sunday, just the way you talk to them, I have a friend at this church who, who can name by name three people in this church. I don't even think these three people probably even know what they said or what they did. But it's like this, this individual finds these people on Sunday. It's, it's, this is why as we move into the neighborhood, we have to be very careful. Because I, I, you've had people come up to you and say this. It was a turning point in my life. And you walk away from that interaction going, man, I, I don't even know what I said. I don't even know what I did. This is why even as we end this series, don't overlook the small little moments. The little conversations you have where you lean in and talk to someone and share their value with them because maybe for the last week or two or three, they've experienced no value from no one. How about this? How about the little job we work? This is where some of you are at. Like my job, it's purposeless. I, it's, it's, it's Monday and I'm widget making. Blah, 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 make. Really? Really? If you're doing your work as unto the Lord, 
every single job in here God can use to bless others. And, and right now you're thinking, boy, but people are ungrateful. I know they are. People are difficult. I know they are. People don't want to work right now, Ted. I know they don't. <laughs> but you stay at it. Like, Ted, I have a minimum wage job. You're not going to tell me that has any, makes any difference. Bring what little you have. That's, if you have a minimum wage job, I, I'm going to put that in the category of five loaves and two fishes. If you have a minimum wage job at Menards, you're getting four extra bucks an hour till July 3rd. I saw that uh, this week. But that, you're going, does it really matter? It matters. You have to see that in the story. I, I was, uh, this just to show you a little, how much fun this is. I was years ago doing comedy with a buddy in Naples, Florida. And the curtain was there and he was going on first. I'll never forget it. He opened up the curtain and looked out. And it was at First Baptist Naples. Let me say that again. First Baptist Naples. It was 800 senior adults packed into this little church. And my young punk comedian friend looked out and went, I'll never forget. I was standing next to him back in the curtain. He looked out and went, oh, no. (laughs) He comes back and goes, none of my jokes are going to work with these people. I didn't know what he was talking about. I pushed him aside. I opened up the curtain. I went, yeah. I said, these are my people right here. I got, I got everything you need. Just do Bill O'Reilly, Sean Hannity. I, I started giving him all the jokes he could give. But I thought about that. That takes me back to this little place we live called Branson. I, I, I was with uh, Paul Harris once, and there was like we were doing this event for like six people in the crowd. And... Uh, and I'm just going, this is brutal. This is terrible. And because how many of you have a show that had six people show up and your first thought is this little of an audience, no big deal. I'm not going to give everything I got. You know what I love about Paul? He went out there and he, he performed for six people like it was 6,000. And I go, man, how do you, he, I, I mean, I was nervous going, there's six people spread out in all these seats. How do you get laughter going in this? And he's like, man, I started in Branson. I, I'm made for this crowd right here. <laughs> And he walked out there, man, and I watched him and he killed it. Let me ask you, entertainer friends, will you give what you have, everything, when it's six people or 600? Because we, we hear oh, this little place we lived last week, it was, I was very embarrassed. I, there was a, a Seattle, I was doing this radio thing in Seattle and they said, you need to be on Chrome. And I didn't have Chrome on my laptop. And so I tried to download Chrome and then Chrome told me my OS was outdated by like 11 years. And uh, I am at that age. I'm, I fit the 830 service well. I refuse to update any of my devices. I won't do it. This watch hasn't been updated for six years. And it doesn't even keep time anymore. I don't even know why I'm wearing the thing. The guy calls me and I'm at home upstairs and I'm on my phone and I go, I, I can't get any of this to work. He goes, refresh your page. I said, I can't. He said, why not? I go, because I'm using the phone as a hotspot. And, and when I'm on this, that doesn't work. He goes, well, get on your Wi-Fi. I went, I don't have Wi-Fi. He goes, well, what's your internet speed at your house? I go, I don't, I don't have internet at my house. And this, this finally, this snooty Seattle guy finally goes, where do you live? I said, I live in Branson, Missouri. We've had the internet for a little while. 
But it's just not, re- it's not as strong as you're probably getting in downtown Seattle. I don't know after the riots, though, what your internet's like down there. But uh, see, I like to, a little bit, but not, I try not to be too rough. Well, guess what? The interview didn't work. I didn't have the technology able to do this darn radio interview. But about an hour later, I sent him this picture and said, I was trying very hard. (laughs) I'm here to tell you, I love this little church in this little town. And you know, I know there's a lot of places you could go. But I think if we learn anything from the pandemic, we love Branson, Missouri. I love living here. I love this little town. So we got the little places that we live, the little jobs that we work. I know this sounds belittling. Uh, I don't mean it to be, but I really want to drive home the point of little. Because that's how we all get. We don't think we have much. But what about the little children we raise? This This should have been a Mother's Day talk. It should have been a Mother's Day talk because some of you, you get caught up in the little details of the changing of the diapers and the potty training, and you're like, what difference am I making? Am I even contributing to society? I love what one author I read this week said, and this is, again, she's, we don't know that this boy packed his own lunch or if his mom packed her lunch. Don't get caught up in that detail, but go with this for a second. Somewhere behind the story of when Jesus fed 5,000, there's a mom who packed a simple lunch for her son. She was simply taking care of her boy. She couldn't know that Jesus would turn that silent work of her hands, the gifts from her kitchen, and her faithful love for her son into one of his greatest miracles that would be repeated in all four Gospels. Moms and dads, especially you who are tired and unnoticed, you just never know what he's up to with the little somethings you have to give. When I read that this week, it reminded me of something that Pastor Andy Stanley in Atlanta often says. What if your greatest contribution to the kingdom isn't something you do, but someone you raise? And this is why we take children's ministry here so serious. We understand the importance and the value of it. Let's finish this story as we close out our time together. Continuing on in verse 14. After the people saw this miracle, the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force. Okay, go on. Oh, we got that cut off. I'm going to go. Jesus, knowing this, he withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So the question for us today is simply this. What, what will people say about Jesus after he uses what you bring to the gathering? What you have to give. Make that the... Make that the focus today, that I am going to put into the hands of Jesus what I have. My reputation, it's not much. It was marred years ago. Ted, I can't believe I did it. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe people look at me the way they look at me now, knowing what I did or what I said. My reputation isn't much, and as you're trying to rebuild your reputation, don't wait. Give what little reputation you have and put it in his hands. For some of you, you're like, my gift won't make a difference in that box or online. Give what you have. Stop comparing yourself to what others have and the capacity they have and the gifts that they bring. Why? Because God uses what you bring. 
He's going to use that to bless others. If you want to be a blessing to other people, bring what you have. And here's the key, the bottom line of the whole morning. You are responsible for what you bring, not how God uses it. Let him determine how it will be used. You just bring it. And God can do big things with the little you bring. And you just don't ever know for sure. And that's what I love. As we talk as a church, uh, I, I've, the last couple of weeks, I haven't been posting a lot online other than you know family pictures and, and fish and that type of stuff. Uh, and it's been just, I, Amy's like, hey, are you okay? You just seem like real chill. I'm like, yeah, because I'm not online. <laughs> I'm not dealing with, and I definitely have been off Twitter because it's just Twitter has become a toxic cesspool. Especially for ministry, it's terrible. Pastors are all bums and churches are all chaotic, crazy messes. And, and all I know is this, God is still using the church. No matter how many people keep coming against it, no matter how many people want to try to bring it down, no matter how many pastors try to tear down other pastors, you've got a major denomination in the country that many of us are familiar with and many were raised in that's looking at a split and they're just at each other's throats. And I'm like, you know, none of that is going to bring down the church. And, and, and even if we stay focused as a church on health, if we stay focused on doing the right thing, going into the neighborhood, reaching people, I think, do you have any idea what could happen in this church and in this community if every single person in here, with the little that we have to offer, would bring it? Could you imagine what could happen? I, I'm talking big things. We talk about homelessness in this community all the time. And don't hear any solutions. I don't know if you know that. But they got little things going on here and there. And, and, and people are like, well, yeah, let that person do it. But instead of just going and coming alongside maybe that person, you do something as well. I think we have everything we need in this church and in this community to solve these problems. If we bring what we have. But I think one of the issues that struck me online recently, and I know if you grew up Baptist, soul winning was a big conversation. My responsibility is to witness and share my faith, not to win souls. That's God's responsibility. God saves people, not me. We get caught up in results so much that, that when we don't see them, we stop doing our part. But when you read the first church and on this Pentecost Sunday... Right? I love Acts 2.47, after the church is being the church, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We are responsible to share. We're responsible to do our part. We're responsible to witness. We're responsible to testify. We're responsible to give and serve and love and care for one another. Let the Lord determine the size of this church. Let the Lord determine the impact from this church in this community. Our job is simple. Bring what you have. Stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. Be responsible for what you have. Bring it. Bring your lunch to Jesus. That's what this message should have been called. Bring your lunch to Jesus. And let's see what he can do with it. Father, it's in the name of Jesus that we thank you for uh, this series. I thank you for the teaching team uh, that has put so much into this. I thank you for... uh, their hearts and their study and their desire to live this out. And for a congregation who takes seriously the words of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the life of Jesus, and we want this to be our lives. 
When we feel we don't have a lot to give, we don't have a lot to offer, may we bring it anyway. Not waiting, not hoping, not thinking that, you know, someone else will fill this void for me, but I bring what I have. And we get excited then to watch what you're going to do with it. For the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day of their salvation that they would confess their sins, that they would confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that he has been raised from the dead, that they will be saved. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said, Amen. Amen.